when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you have reason for confidence. Why? Because he is Lord. And there are no things that are beyond his control. He was sovereign over your birth. He is sovereign over your life. And he is going to be sovereign over your death. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick and Colin, today we're looking at how to overcome your fears. Yeah, we're looking at 1 Peter in chapter 3 where there's a remarkable statement that's been very striking to me. Peter is writing to believers who are living in a very hostile environment and he says, have no fear of them nor be troubled. And you kind of read that and you say, How? And the rest of the verse gives the answer. And that's what we're going to look at together in the Bible today. Okay, join us if you can in your Bible at uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 to 17 today. Here's Colin. Now, Peter is writing to Christian believers who had many reasons to fear. They faced the prospect of imminent persecution Many of them faced the prospect of violent death. If you look across at chapter 4 and verse 17, you'll see he says there, do not be surprised, beloved, at the fiery trial when it comes, not if it comes, when it comes. So these Christians then, uh, to whom Peter is writing, are in, I suggest to you, the most difficult position of all. They are not facing directly what is in their mind at a personal level, but they are dealing with the fear of it, the fear of violence, the prospect of persecution, the fear of loved ones being lost. That's what's in their mind. And Peter is their pastor, and he is their shepherd, and he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing to them so that these believers, these dearly loved believers, will able to face their fears and live in in the world with all its reality as they found it, and therefore as we find it. These words come to us today. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as Lord. Now, here's the problem, having said that. Sometimes it seems that there is as much fear in the church as there is in the world, right? That's the problem. And so I want to pause and try to answer from the Scriptures two questions today. The first is, why are there so many fearful Christians? In the light of what we're reading here, why? Why are there so many fearful Christians? And the second question, how can Christians overcome our fears. We all know what it is to have to face fear. How, as Christians, can we overcome our fears? You see, many of us will look at this passage in the Bible this morning, have no fear of them. And you'll say, honestly, yeah, well, it says that in the Bible, but I'm not there. Well, why are we not there? And how can we get there? So, these two questions today. Number one, then, Why are there so many fearful Christians? I want to give you this answer. There are so many fearful Christians because the self-exalting spirit of the world has so widely permeated the church. 
Now, I want you to see today that this self-exalting spirit is actually at the heart both of the rapid movement away from Christian faith that we are seeing in our culture and in the rampant terrorism that is increasingly scarring our world. Think about it first in relation to our culture. Think about the things in the Bible that God does in relation to life. God brings about the beginning of life. God makes us male and female. God tells us what marriage is, and God determines the time of our death. Now, you think about the great social issues that are at the center of so much controversy in our time. One thing ties them together, and this is always at the root. We have been assuming the right to do the things that belong to God. In other words, we want to be the ones who determine the beginning of life, what children should come to birth and which ones will not see the light of this world. We want to be the ones who will make gender a matter of personal choice. We want to be the ones who define what marriage is and who it is for. And in that same frame of mind, increasingly, we want the right to determine the time and the circumstances of our own death. In other words, everything that God does, we say, now we now do. The same impulse, do you see, is at work in each case. We are, in each case, putting ourselves in the place of God. We want to remove Him from the throne and to occupy the place of supreme authority ourselves. We have welcomed and embraced increasingly in our culture the satanic proposal from the Garden of Eden, you shall be as God. Now, It will be useful in our conversations in these days for us to understand that precisely the same problem lies at the root of the violent terrorism that is causing such fear and consternation around the world today. We've thought about who God is in regards to the authorship of life. Think about who God is in regards to the ultimate and the eternal things. Who is he? He is the judge. He is the one who on the last day will bring the immortal and the unbelieving to judgment. But now we have terrorists who see it as their job to bring justice and judgment to the infidels We have in the jihadists another example of precisely the same root thing. See, sin always comes from the same root. And what is it? It's man putting himself in the place of God. Now, what is the Christian response to a world in which men and women are increasingly putting themselves in the place of God? Well, the first thing to say here is that the cultural Christianity that pervades our country can offer no response whatsoever. Many of us have been raised, raised with, shaped by 
a diminished gospel that says something like this, God loves you and all you have to do is say yes to him and you're going to be safe, secure, and blessed forever. And so thousands of people across the culture say yes to God and then spend the rest of their lives in some degree either of irritation at one end or resentment at the other that this God to whom they have said yes has not made their lives as they want them to be. What is wrong with this picture? It actually has imbibed precisely the same root sin that we have just identified. The church in large measure has been permeated by the same self-exalting spirit that is at the root of the landslide in our culture and at the root of the terrorism that is causing so much fear in the world. That is, that we see ourselves as the ones on the throne and God as the one who exists to serve us and to make our lives as we want them to be. That's at the very core of the cultural Christianity in our country, especially over the last 50 years, and that kind of cultural Christianity cannot offer any response to what is around us because it is infected by precisely the same root problem that it seeks to address. And the self-exalting spirit always produces fear. It has to. Because if you're the Lord, if how you really see life is my life, my money, my family, if you're the Lord, you're on the throne, then anything that you cannot control will cause you fear. What if I get cancer? I can't control that. What if I get caught in a terrorist attack? What if my children choose the wrong path? If you put yourself in the position of Lord, you will always live with fear. You have to. Because every time you come to a situation that you cannot control, you're the Lord. Well, what in the world's going to happen? Why are there so many fearful Christians? Because the same self-exalting spirit of the world has so widely permeated the church. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, How to Overcome Your Fears. And if you tuned in late or you want to go back and listen to the message again, you can always do that. Come to our website, openthebible.org.uk. You can also find any of our previously broadcast messages as podcasts. Go to your favorite podcast site, Search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Back to the message now. Here's Colin. Second question, and you'll see where this goes directly into what Peter says here. How then can Christians overcome their fears? Do you see what he says? Have no fear of them. We immediately say, how? I'm not there. How can I get there? Here's how you get there. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. You set Christ apart as Lord. You get off the throne that you should never have been on in the first place, and you say, there's only one who belongs on the throne of this life, and it's you, Lord. You're the only one who can handle all the un- predictable things that lie ahead in my unknown future. How do we become so fearful? Because we put ourselves on the throne. And how are we going to overcome this fear? Uh, Getting ourselves off the throne in your heart, honor Christ, 
the Lord. Here we're getting to the heart of what a Christian really is. A Christian is a person who submits the whole of their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that, of course, is the polar opposite of everything that is going on in terms of the great drift of our culture and in terms of the great events of this age in our world. Do you see this, that when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you have reason for confidence? Why? Because He is Lord, and there are no things that are beyond His control. And when it comes to you, think about this. Uh, Honor in uh, your heart Christ the Lord. He is sovereign over your birth. He was sovereign over your birth. He is sovereign over your life, and He is going to be sovereign over your death. Think about this. Sovereign over your birth means that of all the millions of people who potentially could have come into existence through the union of your father and your mother, God chose to bring into existence you. He created you. He made you. He wanted you to be. Isn't that glorious? God wanted you to be. He made you. And sovereign over your life, Lord over your life, means this, that all that has happened to you, the good that you've enjoyed, the evil that you have suffered, it was all known to God from before the beginning of time. Life has been full of surprises and unexpected twists and turns for you, but nothing has ever come as a surprise to Him. Before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. And God works through all that has happened in your past and whatever will happen in your future. He works in and through it all to advance His great purpose, the purpose for which He has brought you into being, which is that a reflection of His dearly loved Son will radiate from you forever for His glory and for your great joy. And God will work through everything that happens in your life, the best and the worst, in order to advance that great God-glorifying and joy-giving purpose in you. He's Lord. That means He's sovereign over your birth. That means He's sovereign over your life. And it means this, He is sovereign over your death. God knows exactly how and when I will die. That's a great comfort to me. Jesus Christ is in complete control of the timing and the circumstances and the outcome of your death which for a Christian believer will be an immediate translation into the glorious presence of the Lord. Psalm 139, in your book were written the days that were formed for me. You've numbered all my days. I need, therefore, to learn to number mine. George Whitfield has a wonderful phrase that I've often found helpful, and I hope that you will too. Whitfield said this, We are immortal until our life's work is done. I love that. By the way, don't use that as an excuse for irresponsible behavior. If you're driving at 90 miles an hour down the wrong side of the road, you are not uh, to use this as a justification. Remember, Satan tried that one. Oh, Jesus, jump from the pinnacle of the temple. Nothing bad will happen to you. No, no. But here's how you can use that marvelous truth, and it is a great truth. You use this truth when you are struggling with fear. So here's someone who's really afraid to get on an airplane, and you've got to get on an airplane. 
and you sit down and you put on the buckle and they're going through the pre-flight routine and you're anxious and you say to yourself, I am immortal until my life's work is done. You're going in for a screening for cancer or a treatment for cancer and you're anxious about your own condition and what's going to happen, and you say to yourself, here's how you comfort yourself with this great truth, that Jesus Christ is in control not only of my birth, my life, but also of my death. You say to yourself, I am immortal until my life's work is done, and on the day that the purposes that He has for me on this earth are finished. I don't want to be here one day longer. I want to be here every day until I've completed the work that he's given me to do, just as Jesus completed the work the Father gave him to do. And then I want to be in his nearer presence, and that's exactly what he has made me for. That's a Christian approach to these things. And it's wonderfully freeing. You know, the freedom from fear that a believer enjoys is beautifully expressed, and I know some of you were brought up with this, and it's very rich in the Heidelberg Catechism, a great, great document that through questions and answers teaches the Christian faith. And the very first um, question is this, what is your only comfort in life and in death? What's your comfort in life and in death? And indeed, what's your only comfort? Because ultimately, this is the only thing on which you can rely. This is the ultimate answer to fear. And the answer is this, that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that marvelous that you would be able to say that? What's my great comfort in life, whatever happens to me? What's my great comfort in death whenever it comes to me? Here's what it is that I am not my own. You see, I've got off the throne. I'm not the Lord of this little life trying to steer it on these waters of the world. No, I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And it goes on to speak of how he's bought me. And then this beautiful line, he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. He's in exact control of the of my birth, of my life, of the timing, the circumstances, the outcome of my death, I trust him as my Lord. And friends, there are, there are so many implications as we seek to work out these things in our lives. Let me just give you one, and then we're through today. One, one is that we learn to use the word my tentatively, as if it were always in parenthesis. I'm trying to teach myself to do this, to use the word my as if it were always in parenthesis, and therefore to use it tentatively. In other words, my home, my home. I love my home. hope you love your home. My home means the house that God has entrusted to me for a time, for a time. My children, my family, loved ones who belong to God, who have been lent for a little time to me, 
my work, my role, my position. A calling to service that has been given to me for a time. My money, my friends, you can work this out. My life, my life. What is my life? Oh, all the things that you want to say about your life, what I want to do. I'm disappointed about this. My life. My life. The opportunity that he has given to me to serve at his pleasure in this world until he calls me home. That's all that it is. And you know, friends, we will do much better when it comes to dealing with loss, whether that be the loss of people that we love, whether it be the loss of position, whether it be the loss of property, if we believe and remember that what we have belongs to God and is loaned to us for a time. Spurgeon says this, a man does not cry when he has to return a tool which he has borrowed. He knew that he borrowed it he never called it his own, and when he hands it back, he is thankful that he had it for such a long time. You know, friends, the last time Moses spoke to God's people, before he died, he said to them, look, I'm putting before you two ways of life. There is a way in which you will be blessed, and there is a way that is always cursed, a way that leads to life, and there is a way that leads to death. And I, I really feel a little like that at the end of this message today. We live at a time when the great movement of our culture is to crown self as Lord. Go down that path, and you will always be haunted with fear. Always haunted with fear. There can be no greater curse than the curse that is found on that path and no greater misery than what is found at its end. And so I want to say with Moses, choose the path that leads to life. And what is that? It's the path on which you get off the throne. It's the path on which you crown Jesus Christ as the Lord that he is. Bow before him as the sovereign over your life. Think of this. When you are able to say, for me to live is Christ, then you will also be able to say, and for me to die is gain. You'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord. You see, he's applying the central doctrine. This is where this great victory over fear is found when this Savior is the sovereign Lord over your life and over your death and over your eternity, and you know it, and you're His, and He's yours. What in the world do you have to fear? Pastor Colin Smith there with a powerful message here on Open the Bible. And if you tuned in late or if you want to go back and listen to the message again, come to our website, openthebible.org.uk. There you can listen to any of our previously broadcast messages. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners. That's people just like you. And this month, if you're able to begin supporting us with a new donation in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'd love to send you a free gift. 
It's an Advent devotional and it's called The Coming of the King by J.C. Ryle. Colin, who would you say this book is written for? (laughs) Well, let me give you a couple of answers. One would be anyone who wants to prepare well for Christmas. Another would be anyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what this book is about. It is about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are short readings for Advent. They help us to prepare for Christmas and they focus the light and all the attention on Jesus Christ himself. I love this little book because of its focus on Christ and because of the way that it builds faith and brings hope. Just a couple of pages to read each day and very simple, very clear and wonderfully Christ-centered. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book if you'd like to join many other Christians in supporting the work of Open the Bible this month. If you're able to set up a new donation in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'd love to send you this book. Full details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll join us again soon. The story of Peter is full of hope because it shows us what Jesus can do with flawed disciples like us. That's next time on Open the Bible.